God is in control. It's a phrase that we commonly hear in Christian circles, but is he really in control of everything that happens on the earth, good or bad? And if he's not in control, does he permit things? And if he doesn't permit things, then why doesn't he stop things from happening? Hello and welcome to Faith Talks. I'm your host, Emily Preston, and in these podcasts, we will be discussing how to practically apply the principles found in the Word, or how to be a doer of the Word, so that you can start seeing more of the manifestation of God's grace in every area of your life. Hello everybody and welcome back to Faith Talks. Today I'm continuing my lesson on the subject, Is God in Control? What I'm aiming to address in these episodes is to answer the question, is God really in control of everything that happens on the earth? Is he sovereign? Does he have the final say in what happens and what doesn't happen? And the second question that I'm aiming to answer is, does God do things to us? Or if he doesn't do things, does he allow certain things to happen? Does he permit sickness and tragedy and death and all of those kind of things? And then the third question I'm aiming to answer is that if he didn't allow it, why doesn't he stop it from happening? And see, this thought process of God being in control is the most damaging thought process around in the body of Christ nowadays. And the reason that is, is because it takes all of the responsibility out of our hands and places it firmly in the hands of a sovereign, almighty God who has ultimate control. And so therefore, it doesn't matter whether we confess scriptures. It doesn't matter whether we pray for healing. We can do all of those things. But at the end of the day, God has the final say in whether we receive healing or not. And that is an absolute doctrine of the devil. And the reason it's a doctrine of the devil is because it makes people passive. It stops them from being doers of the word. It makes them just sit back and go, oh, well, you know, if it's meant to be, it will be. And there's nothing that I can do about it. God has a plan. He has a purpose for everything. And therefore, there must be a purpose behind me having gone through what I've just gone through. Or there must be a purpose why that person died so young or, you know, whatever it is. And basically, it's blaming God for everything that takes place in the earth. And so it's very important that we go to the word and we find out what the word says about this doctrine, is God in control? And we went back to Genesis and we looked at the system that God established from the very foundations of the earth. And we read the scripture in Genesis 1 verse 26, where God says that he has made man in his image after his likeness, and he has given man dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So man has been given dominion over everything in the earth. Now, when man sinned and lost his place of authority in the earth, that authority did go into the hands of the devil. So it still didn't go back into God's hands. It went 
into the hands of the devil because man gave the devil his authority when he sinned. When they ate of the forbidden fruit and they sinned against God, they handed that authority that God had given them over to the devil. And that is why God had to put the plan of redemption into place and send Jesus because when Jesus came and paid the ultimate sacrifice for sin, he then took back the keys of the hell and the grave. He took back the authority that man had given to Satan and then he turned around and placed it back into the hands of man. And so still authority over everything that goes on on the in the earth was never back in God's hands. Immediately Jesus handed it straight back over to us and said, all authority has been given to me both in heaven and in earth therefore you go and he bestowed that dominion and authority back into our hands and then we looked at the scripture that says in Luke 10:19 that he has given us power or he's given us delegated authority to tread upon snakes and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall harm us. So God has given us his delegated authority so that we can trample and stomp on everything that would try and harm us. The things that try to harm us do not have any authority, any power to harm us because we have God's delegated authority. And then we looked at the scripture that says to resist the devil and he must flee from us. And we identified that God is not going to do the resisting for us. He's told us to resist the devil and that if the devil was no longer a threat, he wouldn't tell us to resist him. And it says in John 10 that it's the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy. So there is a thief who is out there who is actively trying to steal, kill and destroy. And that is why God had to give us authority over him. Okay, so then we went into Matthew and we looked at the scripture that says that God has given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And going back into the Greek definitions of those words, to summarize, it's basically saying whatever we allow, God will allow. Whatever we don't allow, whatever we prohibit, He won't allow and he will prohibit. So we are the decision makers here on the earth and God will back up the decisions that we make with all of the forces of heaven. But it's up to us to say what goes and what doesn't. Okay, so if you want to, if you haven't listened to that first episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because we laid a really nice foundation for this teaching on is God in control. So today I want us to look at another scripture that talks about what we've just mentioned. And this is a very, very famous scripture that everybody alive on the planet could probably quote in some way or another. And that is the Lord's Prayer. So let's go to Matthew 6 verse 9. And in this passage of scripture, Jesus is giving us the formula for all prayer. He is saying, this is the way you should pray. Or in other words, every time you pray about something, this is the framework for how that prayer should go. Okay, so let's listen to this with new ears. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, just on a side note, if God's will automatically came to pass, Jesus wouldn't be telling us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There would be no need to pray that his kingdom come and his will be done because it automatically would come to pass, but it doesn't. God's will does not automatically come to pass. That's why Jesus is telling us to pray that his kingdom come and his will be done. So what is in God's kingdom? What does it mean when Jesus is saying, your kingdom come, your will be done? What is in God's kingdom? Well, is there any sickness in God's kingdom? Is there any poverty in God's kingdom? Is there any depression or disaster or tragedy in God's kingdom? In heaven? No. Divine health is in heaven. Prosperity is in heaven. Joy and peace and divine protection and, and nothing missing, nothing broken. That is God's will. That is what is in heaven. So Jesus is saying we have to pray that all these things be done on earth just as it is in heaven. See, God's will is God's desires for us. And God's desires for us, his will is in his word. God and his word are one. God and his word cannot be separated because they are one. So if you want to know God's will for you, you go to his word because his will is his word. And his word is his will for you. And every promise you can find in the word is God's will for you. And so if you want to know what God's will is, you go to the word and you find out what the word says. But just to give you a summarization of what God's will is for you, if you look at 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I desire or will above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So this is what God desires for us above anything else that we prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. His will for us is that we have a life in abundant to the full till it overflows. But God's will does not automatically come to pass. John 10.10 10 says that it's the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life in abundance. And if you haven't noticed, there's a thief in the earth that has been very successful in stealing, killing and destroying from people since the fall of man. And what's even worse is that he's been successful in getting people to think that he's no longer a threat and that God is to blame for all the tragedy and loss that people suffer. And when things like that happen, they say that it's God's will. And so the devil is getting away scot-free, stealing, killing and destroying and laughing up his sleeve because people are blaming God for all of the havoc that he is wreaking in this earth. And yet it says here plainly in John that God's will for us is life in abundance to the full until it overflows. But God needs us to establish his will here on the earth. And that is why Jesus is telling us here in Matthew to pray this way every time. We are to pray that everything in heaven, everything contained in God's kingdom and in accordance 
with his will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Now, this is really interesting. Listen to this. The word kingdom in the Greek word is basilia, which means authority, sovereignty, and rule. Okay, that's the word kingdom. So thy kingdom come, God's authority, his sovereignty, and his rule come. Okay, and that word come is the Greek word akomai, which means come but it means come in the imperative sense of the word and imperative means an authoritative command okay so when it says pray God's kingdom come Jesus is saying we are to pray God's kingdom come God's will be done that word be done is the word genomai which means come into being, become, come about, happen. Isn't that awesome? So it's not just a sappy little willful prayer saying, oh Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. No, he's telling us to use the authority that he's given us and to demand God's kingdom come. His will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So whatever's in heaven, there's healing, there's divine healing in heaven. So we are to pray divine healing come, divine healing be done in earth as it is in heaven. There's divine prosperity in heaven. So we are to pray divine prosperity come, divine prosperity be done in this earth as it is in heaven. And whatever the kingdom of God contains and is, It is our responsibility to establish his kingdom here on the earth through our commands, through our demands. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And Jesus is telling us that we are to pray that way every time we pray. That is the model prayer. That is the framework for every prayer we are to pray. So it's not a matter of saying, oh Lord, if it's your will, then heal this person. No, according to this prayer, we are to say healing come on this person. God's will be done. God's will is healing. God's will be done in this person's life just as it is in heaven. That is sensational. So is God in control? No, he has told us how to pray. He's told us to give an authoritative command that everything here on earth come into line with his will and how his kingdom operates. His kingdom operates in divine health, in prosperity, in peace, in love, in joy, in nothing missing and nothing broken. So it's our responsibility to establish and enforce his kingdom here on the earth. Now let's go to Philippians 2 verse 9. Philippians 2 verse 9. And this verse is talking about Jesus. And it says here, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And God has given us the name of Jesus. We have been given the name of Jesus. Do you know that when you carry someone's name, you carry their authority? 
you know, those old uh, movies where someone would ride into town and they'd say, in the name of the king, everyone must gather in the town square at 3 p.m. And everyone would have to obey that because that rider came carrying the name of the king. And to give you a more modern example, I've got three children and my oldest son, his name is Miles and he's seven years old. And when I tell Miles to go and tell my other son, Patrick, who's five, to come inside, Patrick usually ignores Miles completely and carries on playing. But when Miles tells Patrick to come inside because mummy said so, Patrick recognizes the authority behind the name of mum and does what Miles tells him to. So he is not responding and obeying what Miles is telling him to do. He's responding and obeying the command in the name of mum he has been told to do. So he's been told to do something in the name of mum and he has to do as he's told. And see, God has given us the name of Jesus because the power and authority that that name carries. Remember, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, both in heaven and in the earth. Therefore, you go. So that name of Jesus carries all of the authority and weight. And that name has been given to us so that we can speak to things and situations and they have to bow their knee to the authority carried by that name. Remember, at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth. So spirits in the heavenlies have to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. Things that are on the earth have to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. Hurricanes have to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. Unjust, immoral law and legislation has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Sickness and disease has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Anything that does not line up with the word of God that is not part of the kingdom of heaven has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And the devil and his demons have to bow their knee to the name of Jesus. And so God has given us that name of Jesus so that we can speak to situations and speak to things and they have to do what you say because Jesus said so. Isn't that awesome? They're not bowing their knee to us we are simply representatives of the authority that has been given to us and that's what they have to respond to. Mark 16 verse 17 says that one of the signs that will follow the believer is in my name they shall cast out demons. So we don't cast out demons by our own names. I can't go up to someone filled with a demonic spirit and say come out of him because I said so. But when I say to it, you come out in the name of Jesus, demons have to bow their knee to that name. Everything in heaven, in earth and under the earth has to bow its knee when we speak to it in the name of Jesus. Cancer has to bow its knee. Arthritis and diabetes has to bow its knee. Skin disease, migraines, everything that is not part of the kingdom of heaven has to bow its knee when we speak to it in the name of Jesus. So again, we ask the question, is God in control? No, because 
He has given us the name of Jesus along with the authority that that name represents so that we can speak to situations, circumstances and devils and they have to bow their knee to that name. That is just awesome. Okay, so let's look now at Mark 11 verse 22 and 23, a very familiar scripture. Mark 11, 22 and 23. And in this scripture, it says, Jesus said, have faith in God. Now, let's pause there. Young's literal translation says, have the faith of God. So it's not have faith in God. It's Jesus is telling us, have the faith of God. In other words, have the same faith as God. We have the same faith that God has. What does the same faith as God do? Okay, this is really important. Okay, so not only do we have the faith of God, but when we have the faith of God, this is what we should be doing. The next part of the verse tells us, Whosoever shall say to the mountain, So are you a whosoever? Okay, so if you are whosoever, you shall say to the mountain, because you've been given the faith of God, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. We've been given the same faith as God and therefore we have to speak to the mountain. The mountain represents anything that is standing in your way, okay? So it could be sickness, it could be financial lack, it could be relationship problems, it could be emotional problems. Anything that is in your way that is a hindrance or a blockage to you, we are to speak to it. Notice that Jesus does not say, ask God to move the mountain. Notice that he does not say, if it's God's will, then he'll move the mountain out of the way. He does not say to pray about the mountain. He does not say to complain to God about the mountain. He does not say that if the mountain doesn't move, then God is in control and he's using the mountain to teach you something. He does not say that God allowed the mountain to be there. Jesus himself is telling us to speak to it tell it to be removed command it to be cast into the sea and that as long as you don't doubt but you believe that what you say shall come to pass you shall have whatever you say Isaiah 54 verse 17 says no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This verse is so often misquoted. So many people say every tongue that rises against you in judgment, God shall condemn. But if you go and look at the verse in the Bible yourself, it says you shall condemn it. You shall condemn every weapon that's formed against you. You shall condemn every tongue that rises against you in judgment. God is not going to condemn the tongue. God is not going to uh, get rid of the weapon that's formed against you. We have to do it. We have to speak to the mountain. We have to condemn that tongue. So if a tongue of sickness rises against you, we condemn it. 
if a tongue of religious persecution rises against you, you condemn it. If an immoral, ungodly uh, government rises against our nation, we condemn it. If a hurricane or a cyclone or a tornado or a fire or an earthquake or a terrorist attack is threatening our town or city, we speak to it. If a government imposes some law or legislation that is in direct opposition to the word of God, we don't complain about it. We don't moan and groan and talk about, oh, how terrible it all is. We speak to it. We condemn it. We command it to be removed and cast into the sea and to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. So is God in control? No. He's given us the same faith that he has and he's told us to speak to the mountain because he's told us have faith in God therefore whosoever shall say to the mountain so he's told us to speak to the mountain and he's told us to condemn every tongue that rises against us so there you go it's pretty straightforward pretty black and white okay so let's look at another argument second peter 1 verse 2 Second Peter 1 verse 2. It says here that grace, God's unmerited favor and peace, which means nothing missing, nothing broken, are multiplied to us through our knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord or through our knowledge and relationship with the word. For his divine power has past tense given us everything we need. That pertains to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us to glory and goodness. So the way that we lay hold of everything that God has given us that pertains to life and godliness is through our knowledge of him, through our knowledge of the word who has called us to glory and goodness. And by these by his glory and goodness, he has given us. I love it when the Bible uses past tense because he's not going to give us. He has given us his great and precious promises. Now look at this, that through these, through his great and precious promises, we might be partakers of his divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Basically, Everything we need for a prosperous, blessed, healthy, abundant life and everything we need to live a godly, righteous life has already been given to us. God is not teaching us any lessons. He's not taking us through something so that we'll be more patient or more self-controlled. No, everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been given to us. And the way we lay hold of all these things is through his great and precious promises, through his word. That is how we partake of everything that God is and how we escape the corruption that is in the world. We escape the trials. We escape the tragedy. We escape the death and destruction that is in the world through his great and precious promises 
through his word in our mouth, our confessions of faith, the corresponding action we apply to our faith. Now, I'm not saying that things won't try and come against you. They will. But the way we escape that corruption, the way we get away from it, the way we escape it is through his great and precious promises. See, Jesus couldn't hang around with us forever, but God and his word are one. So having the word in our mouth is as powerful as having Jesus right with us speaking to whatever that thing is. God's word in our mouth is as powerful as God's word in his mouth. And God's word is how we escape the corruption that is in the world. God's word is how we partake of everything that he is. Healing, love, peace, joy, abundance through his great and precious promises. Mark 4, Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower calls the word of God a seed. And in verse 14 of Mark chapter 4, it says that the sower sows the word. The word of God is a seed and when it's planted in the ground of our heart by speaking it, it will grow and bear the fruit of what that seed is for. That is what a seed is designed to do. It's designed to reproduce after its own kind and the sower sows the word. The word is the seed. So if we need a harvest of healing, we sow the word seed for healing. If we need a harvest of financial provision, we sow the word seed for provision. If we need a harvest of peace in our relationships, we sow the word seed for peace. The word of God has a promise for every single thing we need for life and godliness. The word contains the great and precious promises of God and it's through these that we become partakers of the divine nature of God and we escape the corruption that is in the world. We don't have to be afraid of terror attacks. We don't have to be afraid of natural disaster. We don't have to be afraid of religious persecution because we escape all of those things through his great and precious promises through his word in our mouth so is God in control no he's given us his word he's given us his will it's him in print form it's how we partake of everything that God is divine health divine prosperity divine peace divine love and the word of God is the bag of seed for any kind of harvest that we may require that's so good. I go into a lot more depth of teaching on the sower sows the word in the second episode of my podcast, which is called the sower sows the word, and also through the podcast titled God's Word: What It Is and What It Does, and the importance of confessing the word. So, if you want more teaching on that topic, go back and have a listen to those um, podcast episodes. Okay, so we're building our case here about what the word says about whether God is in control or not. And once again, we've run out of time. So we are going to conclude this teaching in the next episode. So join me again next time for the conclusion of this teaching, Is God in Control? So that we can put this doctrine to rest once and for all. So until next time, stay blessed and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. God bless you.
Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Faith Talks. If you have any questions related to today's or any of my previous episodes, if you have a testimony you would like to share, or for a free copy of Confessions for Life, please email me at questions at faithtalks.com.au. For episode announcements and regular encouragement, you can now find Faith Talks with Emily Preston on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from today's or any of my previous teachings, please share this podcast with them and help them receive revelation of the truth that will make them free. Until next time, know that I am praying for you and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, and you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you.